Hello everybody, this is a British of Meaning Discord conversation. I'm Job and today my guest is Nathan. Hey Nathan, what brings you to the Discord? Hey, so I was a long time, I have been a long time uh, watcher of Paul's videos, uh, starting up especially when he was exploring Jordan Peterson and the biblical series. And uh, I've kind of popped in and out here and there. Uh, but haven't been too active in the Discord, and you know maybe this will help change that a bit. But uh, yeah, it's a pretty busy place, so sometimes it's a little daunting to jump in. Yeah, it can be a bit of a fire hose. What what got yeah. you into uh, what got you into PVK? Like, do you have a religious background? Uh, yeah. So I'm actually um, a missionary kid. Really? Um, oh. Yeah. My dad's a pastor, and my mom's a community organizer, and. They were missionaries for a long time, um, uh, first in Kenya uh, and then in Croatia, where I was born. Uh, and they were there for 10 years. And then uh, they wanted the, the Croatian education system was not the greatest. And uh, they thought the American education system would serve me and my brother better. So we moved to the States. Um, right around when my brother was reaching high school age, um, when I was about eight years old. And so I've been living in the States since then. But uh, yeah, my dad's a pastor, so I've grown up in the church. But kind of had the typical um, story, I guess, especially of people who have been into Jordan Peterson, where you grow up in the church and kind of become an atheist in college and then uh, find Jordan Peterson and he kind of convinces you that the Bible isn't worthless. Hmm. I mean, did so, you, de did you deconstruct when you were younger? The, 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 the fact that you're saying that? Um, I think I had kind of gone with the flow for a while, especially with, uh, like I was a member of my youth group and, played, you know, guitar in the praise band and played guitar in their contemporary service at my dad's church. Um, but like the friendships I made there were not very deep. And I think I had the experience that turned a lot of people off from church, uh, where you see the values that are, you know, espoused as Christian values. And then you see people being very hypocritical, mm. um, where especially because um when we moved to the states it was in alabama you know in the south and um sorry you might be hearing my cat that's okay um, you know there was a lot of not very veiled animosity towards like gay people and uh you know i didn't agree with that i thought you know i was i am very accepting gay people and um you know so it was tough growing up around you know the church where people were less accepting you know and, and so all my friends were atheists and i got along much better with them so it, it was kind of a bit of a kind of a double life where you're kind of just going along because your family expects you to not really enjoying it or feeling like it's actually giving you anything 
Um, you know, I think I had that naive perspective that a lot of um, people who go through atheism have where you kind of just feel like, oh, I don't need Christianity to tell me how to be a good person. I can just, you know, be a good person on my own right. without questioning where those values come from. Yeah, that makes sense. You kind of just, you know, you swim in that water, so you kind of don't question it. So that that worked for you, but then you still ran into Peterson. Yeah. Um, so I should say, I guess to flesh out my break from the church, it really happened when I got to college, you know, and was away from my parents. I'm like, okay, finally, I don't have to go to church or anything anymore. <laughs> yeah. um, and uh, I took like a comparative religion class. And oh. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, and I almost uh, switched my religion to a religion major uh, from chemistry. Uh, and I, I started getting into Buddhism you know, mostly superficially um, because it, you know, appealed as like a holistic philosophical framework that wasn't explicitly religious. You know, I, I guess like in the Verveke sense, it can be kind of paired with, with non-theist. Um, uh, but then there was one summer where my dad sent me a podcast of Peterson uh, one of his really, really early uh, talks of the difference between tragedy and evil. Oh, that one's uh, so good. Yeah. Uh, so that was my first introduction to him. And, you know, he started talking about the Egyptian um, uh, myth and his, his union framework through understanding that. And it was all just going over my head. But the fact that there was like this deep well of you know, symbolism that he was talking about that I completely did not understand, like really kind of hooked me because mm -hmm. I wanted to get what he was talking about. Um, so that kind of started me down the road. And then I like tentatively started his biblical series um, and started really enjoying that. Um, and then I think the YouTube algorithm, like a lot of people started recommending Paul's videos. Um, and I really appreciated, you know, the depth that Paul's insights added and, you know, relating it kind of more specifically to uh, Christian theology in a bit more direct way rather than just keeping it psychological. Did you, did you respond or reply to your dad after you'd watched that video he sent you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. We've talked a lot about Peterson. He's not so much of a big fan of him anymore. Um, <laughs> my dad's kind of a really far out lefty, you know, almost you could say like Buddhist Christian. Mm. Um, he, he does a lot of like mindfulness practice and yoga and meditation, and, uh, despite being a Presbyterian pastor. And he's like panentheist, um, you know, so he's definitely got an interesting brand of uh, Christianity that uh, 
I don't know. It's interesting, but yeah, he's. Um, yeah, but serious enough to go into mission uh, missionary work. So. Oh yeah, definitely. So so what what prompted him to send that to you? Like, did you two discuss? the fact that you were drifting away from the faith or was that something you kind of just, I mean, I assume your dad kind of noticed that you weren't all that enthusiastic about church or. Yeah. Uh, you know, that was really interesting growing up in what you would, you know, from, I guess from what I described, it sounds like it was a very religious household, but you know, compared to a lot of my friends who grew up, you know, in the Southern Bible Belt, my parents were pretty relaxed. And when I kind of visited home from college one day and said, you know, I think I'm an atheist, you know, they didn't love it, but they were pretty accepting. Um, you weren't disowned. No, not at all. <laughs> and in fact, my dad, especially uh, because I ended up taking a lot of other religion classes, uh, you know, we had a lot of good conversations about different religions and their belief systems. And especially as I started getting a bit more into Buddhism, um, he wanted to hear more about the, you know, kind of moral framework that it involved. And so we, we've always had a good channel of communication. Um, and with Peterson, you know, uh, I think he actually has, a, uh, my dad has a lot in common with Paul in terms of what he saw Peterson bringing. He, he didn't see Peterson as um, taking away from Christianity or simplifying it or reducing it, but rather kind of making it more accessible and uh, I, I guess really kind of enriching it. Hmm. Was it was it strange to you at first to you know you start watching this guy that your dad sends this video, and you notice that okay he has these ideas about religion, was that strange or? Um. No, one of the nice things I think that deciding that I wasn't a Christian anymore, it it kind of freed me up to really uh, appreciate what other people were getting out of religion, like taking a bunch of religion classes and, you know, seeing the kind of getting an insight into different cultures and, you know, kind of the whole meaning making process. Um, I feel like it shifted me kind of towards being an outside observer that I was able to just, I was able to more just appreciate the fact that if something was meaningful for somebody else and made them happy, then, you know, and that's great. Um, so one of the ways, like my parents uh, have pretty different views in terms of what their Christian kind of faith is. My mom was always a bit more traditional and conservative. Um, and so I growing up sided a lot more with my dad and kind of found my mom's version of Christianity very frustrating. But when I stepped away and decided to call myself an atheist, I was really able to kind of more just appreciate what my mom got out of her faith and the joy and the meaning it brought her. And so for the same thing, you know, 
having that perspective, hearing Peterson talk about the value of Christianity, especially through a more intellectual, historical, biological, behavioral framework, it really, I think, kind of opened a door for me to be like, oh, this is actually providing a lot of value that I wasn't seeing before. Um, And, you know, maybe I should rethink my uh, rejection of it as, you know, I kind of looked back and thought like maybe that had been a little bit premature. Well, you were definitely a very open-minded atheist in that case. You know, you, you, you don't seem like you were very emotionally invested in your new position. It seemed like it's more a position you, 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 you ended up at instead of really strongly dug yourself into. Yeah, no, I never went through like the militant atheist phase. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. My, my older brother definitely did uh, for a while. Huh. Um, but I, I think he's also, he, he has definitely gone more into the Buddhist route. He, le- he reads like some Thich Nhat Hanh and oh. um, what's um, the power of now. Oh, yeah, Eckhart Tolle? Yeah, yeah, he's been reading a lot of Eckhart Tolle, and um, so my brother's really getting into that. Um, almost to, like, the point of thinking of it of it as, like, a like a universalist kind of perspective. He kind of says stuff that, like, oh, you know, from his perspective, everything is kind of describing the same sort of process of enlightenment. And I try to kind of push back on that. I have like, you know, this insistence that something kind of sets Christianity apart. Um, But I don't really have the intellectual acumen to make that argument very strongly. So it doesn't go very far. Yeah, sounds like fun Thanksgiving uh, dinner conversation. Yeah, never heated. My family's been pretty good about, that was one of the things my dad was really good at when we were growing up is kind of Socratic questioning and poking and prodding at the axioms uh, and assumptions. My dad was really good at getting us comfortable with that and then still, you know, making up and liking each other afterwards. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, it's kind of, at least you've thought about the position you're holding. Oh, that yeah. was my cat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so now I'm at this point where I'm trying to get back into being a Christian. And, uh, you know, there's this divide between when I try to do it and then when I listen to somebody like Paul or Pajot, especially, uh, their insights into it. It's just like, man, when I'm reading the Bible, I don't pick up on any of the stuff they're talking about. Um, so that's kind of been hard it's just like you know I've started like reading Matthew and you know you just kind of work your way through it and you know this happens then that happens then he feeds this crowd with the fish and the loaves and then he feeds another crowd with the fish and the loaves and um, a lot of the deep insight that I've really appreciated from Peterson and Verveke and Pajot you know, you kind of wish that stuff would just come to you while you're reading it. There's a lot of contextual knowledge that 
goes into that, I guess. Yeah, you'd have to go into your father's footsteps and become a, a pastor or something. So you, you get to train yourself in exegesis and all that sort of. Oh, gosh, yeah. <laughs> That'd be erotic. Yeah, I, I mean, funny enough, when I, you know, came to my parents and said, you know, I think I want to be a religion major. Um, <laughs> both of them, you know, people, deeply religious people both said, no, 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 don't do that. <laughs> yeah, don't make the mistakes we did. Yeah, go, go, go make money with some useful trade. What, what did you end up doing? Uh, so I graduated with a degree in chemistry, and then I went off to Oregon to study, uh, to get a master's in chemistry, um, specifically for semiconductors and uh, photovoltaics, oh. solar. Um, yeah, that was really good. It was like an accelerated master's program that in included uh, an internship as part of the completion requirement. Uh, so I did a year-long internship working for uh, a company that makes these high-powered electron microscopes, and I was an engineer for them for a year. Um, and that was cool and all, but I had really gotten into it, into the program, because the word photovoltaics was in the name, but nobody had mentioned that there are basically no jobs in the U.S. for, you know, semiconductor engineers for improving photovoltaics. That was, was all kind of died off by now. Um, and so the alternative is semiconductors, which is all about, you know, computer chips and phone chips, mm -hmm. and improving the efficiency of those. And I just didn't find that as interesting, um, or as motivating, you know, in terms of like, not, you know, it, it just didn't feel meaningful, um, I guess for better or for worse, we're kind of raised to associate work with meaning, um, or at least I kind of was. Um, it's kind of a luxury. And yeah, yeah, I because I, I've heard, um, I don't know if you listen to Eric Weinstein's The Portal. Not um, really, no. No, well... You know, he, he has these rants, and, and one of them is he decries the undervaluing of, you know, blue-collar, you know, honest work where people just, you know, provide for their family and, and finding meaning in that. Um, I kind of feel that, too. Um, but at the same time, like now I, I'm a lab technician at a hospital, and I kind of just do the same thing every day, and... I've really tried to work on being content with that, but at the same time, it's very unsatisfying. Uh, you know, even though you can make a very straightforward argument for why, you know, what I do is important and it affects people's lives in a positive way. Um, you know, the fact that it's so routine. And what did your grandparents do? Oh, um, my grandfather on my dad's side was also a pastor. Um, and my grandfather on my mom's side worked at a paper company. Both of their wives were kind of just 
stay at home moms. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, yeah, my grandfather on my mom, on my mom's side who worked at the paper company also, I believe got a master's in divinity. Uh, and he, I think sometimes preached as well. Um, so I am probably one of the first in my family to really go into the sciences. Um, yeah, but your parents yeah. also said, you know, don't go, don't take religion as a major. Yeah, I think it had, I mean, part of it was probably them being wise and seeing me kind of fall into something that was more of just a spurious interest um, mm. or, or something that I didn't need to make a career out of. I could certainly continue to consume religious material as a, as a hobby, um, but, you know, staking my uh, life on it was probably not the way to go. And, you know, I, I am thankful to them for that because, I mean, it feels like finding a good job, even in the sciences, is hard enough as it is. And it probably would have been much more so had I gone down the religion path. Yeah, although I'm thinking with a master's in chemistry, there's got to be, got to be work out there. I mean, you're well-trained and full of knowledge you're fairly young so yeah what what did your brother end up doing assuming he's your older brother yes he is my older brother uh by five years um he is working for like the television ratings company nielsen are you familiar with them no that might be an american thing yeah probably you know, basically when companies need to know the demographics of who's watching content at what time, um, Nielsen is the company that uh, tracks all that. So he works for them and kind of maintaining, uh, keep, keeping people using their stuff and helping solve problems when people are getting frustrated. Like if, if the Nielsen equipment is causing some kind of issue, he kind of helps solve those problems. So he had originally gone to uh, undergrad for um, psychology, but uh, didn't end up finishing. Hmm. Oh, that would have been interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's part of what's made uh, me and my brother and I are very close. So we talk a lot about uh, Peterson. We both got into him a good bit for a while. Um, and so, you know, the amount that he's delved into psychology makes conversations very interesting. Has Peterson changed any of his ideas on religion? Um, I'm not sure. Um, I, I couldn't speak to that. That's uh, okay. Yeah. I, you know, I've seen his progression towards you know, he doesn't really label it. It's kind of a vague spirituality meditation practice that he has. Um, yeah, perhaps Peterson played some role in that, but I'm just not sure. He clearly, you know, he didn't go the Christian route. He didn't start reading the Bible uh, after being introduced to Peterson, so I can't say how much that's had an effect. 
Has your dad watched any PVK? Uh, I've sent him a couple of videos, uh, but you know, they are rather long and, uh, he, uh, you know, he, he's watched some and, you know, we'll maybe have a short conversation about it. Um, but he's not like a regular consumer or anything. Uh, I think I tried to get him to watch the video where he talked Oh, what was that name of the the Catholic teacher um, who was he was speaking to Paul about transubstantiation? Brett Schaukelt. Uh, yes, that was a really awesome conversation. I know they've had a couple, but uh, the first one, especially where he talks about the misunderstanding between Luther and uh, uh, Augustine, right? Uh, I. <laughs> I didn't watch most of the conversation. I did try to read the book, but it, it couldn't keep my interest. Okay. Um, well, I thought it was really interesting because one of, uh, one of the memories I have with talking to my dad about theology growing up was transubstantiation. And, you know, he kind of had that view that the Catholic view of it is somewhat heretical because it implies that the, crucifixion was incomplete if you are reenacting it um you know every i guess every week i don't know how often catholics do communion some um, of them every day every day wow um so i thought that was funny and and he's definitely the type of person to be open to a reinterpretation of that if he hears you know evidence like what what Sockholt was talking about uh, but I don't know if he ever listened to it. <laughs> I sent it to him and we never talked about it. So I'm not sure if he ever listened to it. Um, and it is hard to devote that much time to it. My job is so routine that I don't have to really think about it. So I have a lot of time to listen to podcasts. Right. And you're saying you're, you're <clears throat> I don't know how far you've gotten, but at least you're considering becoming a Christian. Uh, I know there's COVID going on right now, but would, are you planning on attending a church once this is possible again? Yeah, I've actually been attending a church for the past three weeks um, with my girlfriend and her family. Is she uh, religious? Yes. Yeah, it's kind of her family's church and we started dating and then I started uh, joining her at church. Hmm. Um, uh, and that's been nice, you know, it seems to be working well. Everybody wears a mask and, you know, every other pew is blocked off. So there's a decent amount of space. The attendance is pretty low. Um, so I don't know. It seems like a good compromise. What denomination uh, is it? It's a Presbyterian church. Um, I don't know if you're familiar. There's the PCA and PCUSA are the two kind of branches. I'm, I'm and, really uh, trying to remember what Presbyterian is again. Uh, very similar to Methodist, kind of. Oof. Okay. So the Methodists, they were... Wasn't that something to do with baptisms? Oh, no, the Wesley brothers. Those are, I think, the Methodists. Anyway, I, yeah, I, I don't know half of this. I mean, either, honestly. <laughs> My... Uh... My understanding of the theological differences between Protestant denominations is really bad. Yeah, there are way uh, too many. <laughs> yeah, and 
you know, growing up in it, you're not taught to appreciate what the difference is. You kind of, kind of just grow up with what you grow up with. And, you know, my dad, even though he is a Presbyterian pastor, gosh, uh, it seems almost like that's only true in name mm. uh, because I don't know. I think if, you know, there's like a difference between what the pastor thinks and what he preaches to the congregation about. Um, so I think if uh, a lot of people really got into what panentheism is and how that conflicts with a lot of the ways people that think about God and, you know, you know, Paul talks about this fairly regularly. There's this way that churchgoers often think about God as like, you know, a big man in the sky. Uh Even though that is a atheist caricature, frankly, I do, uh, a lot of people do think of it that way. Um, And, you know, my dad's view is more of, you know, almost kind of a Hindu view where like everything is God and everything is of God, but God is still somehow a separate entity. Yeah, God isn't dependent on creation to exist. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You so are, it's not pantheist, I guess. If you're interested in that sort of stuff, I think Luke uh, Luke Thompson on the Discord is really into panentheism. Uh, mm. So, yeah, I, I still don't really understand what it means and how it's different from pantheism. But I think that pantheism, if, 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 if you destroyed everything, then God wouldn't exist anymore either. But in this case, God is, I don't know. And then I have to figure out how it's different from classical theism on the Aquinas sort of way of thinking. But that's just way above my pay grade, man. If I were a pastor, right. I would have time to read all these books and I would be paid for it. But yeah. 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 The closest I get is, you know, these podcasts. And there's a couple philosophy podcast that sometimes I have the energy to dive into. Um, like there's one called philosophize this. Oh yeah. I love that one. Yeah. It's really good. Um, I recently listened to his episode on Aquinas and it was just so short. I felt like I didn't really get, it didn't really get into what Aquinas actually thought about in terms of like describing the unmoved mover. Um, you know, it just seemed like, you know, of course, a 20 or 40 minute episode or however long it was, you know, barely scratches the surface. Yeah. Matt, Matt Fred has a nice podcast on Aquinas. He has this show called Pines with Aquinas. And, uh, well, I mean, the title already kind of says what it's about. Uh, but it's it's very, very Catholic, which is to be expected. Mm-hmm. And, which I'm not opposed to. Uh, oh, no, I love it. Uh, yeah, there was a period um, before I really started diving back into Christianity again when I was living in Oregon and I visited a couple churches and one of them was a Greek Orthodox church because, you know, like so many people, I just consumed all of Jonathan Pajot's content mm-hmm. and, you know, really got convinced like, oh, yeah, this embodied way of doing it is really the way to go. Um and then I visited a Greek Orthodox church and the <laughs> learning curve was so steep. I was like, I'm not familiar with any of this. <laughs> this is not my scene. 
Where are the seats? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, this one had seats, but you know there was a lot of standing at different times, and lots of um, lots of crossing. Lots of crossing. Yeah. Didn't know when that was supposed to happen, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, <laughs> you know the singing style. I was used to hymns and um, you know even some contemporary Christian music, which frankly I don't enjoy. Um, no hill song in the but, Orthodox Church. No, which is fine by me. Um, uh, but it, I, I do have a fondness for hymns. But you know, even the reading of the scripture uh, is sung, and so for me, it was actually that was more of a barrier to me for understanding it because I couldn't. You know, I think this particular church didn't have. Uh, like Bibles in the pews, I think people were kind of expected to bring their own. Um, and so I couldn't follow along. I, I had really no idea what what was being read. Yeah, but still, I mean, you went to check it out, man. That's something. I mean, that that <laughs> it's, it's such an alien world if you come from the Protestant church. I mean, I visited one on a whim when I was in Toronto. It was Greek Orthodox. And... I mean, I didn't know what to do there. Like you're saying, it's just all so different that you know stuff's going on, but then they bring out this book and people are kissing the book. And then they bring out these sort of like sun-looking things on sticks and and the, 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 the incense. And I mean, I had never been to a Catholic church at that time either. So, and like people really go there, as far as I can tell, to encounter God, right? And in the mm -hmm. Catholic Church, you attend Mass, you encounter God there. And I might be wrong, but I, I never get the impression, at least in my church, that I go there to encounter God. I go there to be with the church congregation, to maybe enjoy a good sermon, to have coffee afterwards. But I, I don't get the impression that the goal there is to encounter God. The goal there is to encounter the other Mm. but that might just be my particular church no I, I I definitely resonate with that yeah it, you know it feels like everything down to how the building is constructed is more made to encounter a presence mm. in the Catholic and the Greek Orthodox tradition um, whereas Protestant churches kind of set up in whatever you know a, a warehouse you know a boring rectangular building with a steeple slapped on it um <laughs> yeah i mean the church i'm attending right now is actually still searching for a building so we've been uh we met in a brewery last week and will be for the rest of the month i approve yeah spirits with the spirit <laughs> nice okay yeah but sadly, nobody is uh, indulging at nine in the morning. Yeah, makes sense. So, although uh, beer and hymns would be pretty fun, I know my dad has done that with his church. Really? Uh, yeah, yeah. I think that's a really cool way to get people into it. They're still in Alabama. Um, so my dad is in Arkansas. Um, my mom is in Alabama. They okay. divorced like three oh, years ago. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, it's all right. Um, 
Yeah, so he he's in Fort Smith, Arkansas, and I'm in Shreveport, Louisiana now. Oh boy! Uh, so my uh, my American topography is really bad. So I I know these things are all in the south, but it kind of ends there. <laughs> uh, yeah. So Arkansas is north of Louisiana. Um, Louisiana is just east of Texas, uh -huh. and then. To the east of Louisiana, there's Mississippi and then Alabama. Gotcha. Okay, yeah, that's so okay. If you if you had to quiz me on uh, placing the Midwest states, I would not do a very good job. No, my wife would know all of this. She's from Michigan, and she she would oh, it's over there, it's over there, and she'd pull up a map and tell me. But uh, yeah, it uh, it was never my strong suit. So. You've been uh, you've been dating a religious girl. Do you do you discuss religion with her a lot, or is that something that uh, just is that something she's particularly interested in, or is it for her just a part of her life? Uh, no, she's definitely very intentional. Huh. Um, but she didn't go through the kind of distinct atheist phase. She's she's had struggles with her faith, but you know, never broke away from the church. She, uh, she has gone on mission trips and was a part of a student Christian organization all through college. Um, so she's definitely been a more active Christian throughout her life. Um, but I wouldn't say we talk about it all that often. Um, it comes up every now and then. And you know, like when we were first getting to know each other, I kind of gave her my story of progressing, you know, growing up in the church and then becoming an atheist and now trying to get back into it. Um, and she was, you know, very open and understanding of that. Um, probably she has a lot of friends who fall into a similar trajectory. Um, and um, yeah, so we talk about it every now and then and you know, never, it's never too deep theologically, probably to a large degree, because I just don't have the tool set to kind of navigate that very well. Um, she kind of has had a, a strong theological education, especially in kind of Presbyterian and Calvinist uh, kind of stuff. Um, like she's... She's read through I think I've lost audio. Yeah, I definitely can't hear you anymore. Give me a second. I gotta see if reconnecting fixes it. Okay. Oh, there you are. No, you're back. You're back. Huh, you, All right. You, yeah, I see. Um, there was a little bar that turned red. Oh, now yeah. it's three green bars. So <laughs> You're seeing not a good sign. Yeah. Uh, where did I exactly lose you? So, yeah, your girlfriend had had a proper education in theology. You said. Yes. Yes. But um, you know, despite that, it, it it's not a huge conversation topic. Sure. Um. You know, so sometimes we'll talk about the sermon after having gone to church, uh, and that's good. We're generally 
pretty much on the same page so far. We haven't had any huge theological disagreements. <laughs> um, you know, she, one of the things we kind of connected over was an appreciation over more liturgical traditions like orthodoxy. Huh. Um, yeah. Uh, I think for that reason, she's kind of, she's living with her parents right now uh, because she just finished school. And so she's probably going to, uh, go to grad school uh, within the next year. Uh, so she's going to, with her, to church with her parents, but um, I kind of get the impression that she would be more interested in like an Episcopal church, which uh, is Protestant, but much more uh, doctrinal and liturgical. Um, so kind of a compromise, I guess, between Greek Orthodoxy and Presbyterianism. Yeah, it's still interesting to me how how this 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 is resurgence or this at least a surge of interest in the more liturgical traditions, the orthodoxy, the the embrace of the uh, embracing of the mystery, especially in in uh, what I think is your generation and 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 the the ones around that, like yeah, sort I, of a I disillusionment with the the plasticity of of Protestantism, which yeah yeah i mean i think we're feeling the loss of like a strong tradition mm. um you know i really think there is a lot of power to what verbeke and peterson talking about talk about when they talk about having to embody um different ideas and acting them out um before you can really believe them. Um, and I think once you kind of uh, see the truth in that, then it becomes really obvious uh, that, you know, that's a, a big thing that Protestantism is missing is it, it is kind of like God is kind of like in your head and not in the world. That doesn't, I don't know. It, it doesn't uh, feel very substantial when when that's kind of the impression that's given. There's something I still wanted to ask you. Um, so you've you've gone through an atheist phase, which, like you said, wasn't particularly anti-theist. Um, but would you say that you had a period in, in your life where you just felt like, okay, God doesn't exist, right? Or is it, is it, was it more like something you didn't think about anymore? Yeah, it was more, I just didn't think about it. I think maybe I probably use the term agnostic okay. uh, more regularly. Yeah, because it was. Yeah, I, I was wondering, like, because you said, oh, you know, I, I, I'm considering giving Christianity another shot. I'm considering calling myself a Christian. But you didn't have that sort of shift of perspective with, like, wait a second, God exists after all. It was you never really existed in in a, in a religious in a, in a in a void as far as I can tell. Yeah, perhaps not. Um, I think I'm really trying to. You know, one of the central points I kept hearing from Paul and Verbeke and Peugeot and Peterson um, was, um, 
you know, at some point you really have to stop philosophizing about it mm. and, and really just start doing it. Yeah. So I can't say that I really am back on board with the believing in God, but you know, I, I'm kind of just trying to start doing it. Um, and I got to say a big part of what made me think that that was even possible was hearing your story and, and hearing how much you had, um, I don't know. I, I I know the last I heard in one of your conversations, you're still kind of hesitant with calling yourself a Christian, but um, at least the I, I I felt like I heard a development in between your different conversations with Paul, where you went from you know really um, kind of skeptical to at least appreciating the community, and so that kind of opened my eyes to be like, okay, I should really just kind of stop trying to convince myself and just start doing it. Yeah, Peterson's acting as if was was definitely a a big influence in that. It's like, you can just keep thinking about it until, you know, until you turn blue in the face, but at some point what you do expresses who you are and like, okay, I still like to read all the books, more to, to think about things, but it, it's it's more important in the end what I end up doing with it. And I know it is like these days with COVID going on over here as well. It's like, I really miss church. Just, you know, going yeah. there and singing the hymns and that kind of really grew on me because I, re- I really didn't like singing the hymns at first. But, uh, you know, that that that's 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 grown on me and the, the sermons and just mostly the people as well yeah but also yeah, that it really is sorry go ahead well the 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 whole idea of meeting god like i went to a tiny catholic church in my town and i thought that was really interesting the the different way that they were uh, that they approached it but the whole idea that, well, you go to church because you meet God. Like, do you want to play video games or do you want to go meet God? Like, <laughs> what what choice is that? Of course, you're going to go meet God. So, it, yeah, I don't know. I don't have, uh, I don't have anything. Uh, give me a second to collect my thoughts. Religion definitely became a thing in my life that I'm really comfortable with these days, but I'm not too open about it. Like I have conversations with people and I talk about it, but yeah, like you're saying, calling yourself a Christian, that's a big deal, man, because that carries a lot of things with it. Like as soon as you say that, people are like, oh, okay, so that means this. And like when they have to go clarify, so (laughs) unless they ask, I don't talk about it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, around here in the South, it's kind of assumed Mm. um, that you're a Christian, so nobody asks for that reason. Um, But in the same way, wearing that label is kind of a lot more casual, whereas I think if if somebody did ask me, are you Christian, I would, uh, yeah, I would be very hesitant to just say yes. I think I would say. (laughs) Depends what you mean by, yeah. Yeah. You'd say you're trying? Is that what you said? Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I'm 
trying to get there, which I don't know, probably a lot of Christians would react to and say, <laughs> you know, uh, you can't really try. You just have to do it in, in a, you know, in a faith. They would bring in the faith argument. Sure. Yeah, and in the Netherlands, you know, it's it's kind of, I think Christianity is a minority these days. Uh, but still, we, we run on the same, uh, on, uh, what, what, how would Peterson call it? The the substructure? Yeah, substructure is religious. It's still Christian. We just mm-hmm. kind of ignore that. But then, I mean, like, I work at a software development company. Yeah, it's kind of odd if you're religious, you know, but people have asked me like, hey, why do you have this big honking microphone on your desk? And like, oh, I do a podcast. Oh, what about? It's uh, <clears throat> it's about my church. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I have to own that because it's what I do, you know. And then in the back of my mind, just like, well, maybe if someday I, I go back to atheism again, then uh, I could just say, yeah, there was a phase I went through, you know. Yeah, we can. Uh, mm-hmm. So... I, there's definitely a whole degree of shame or something involved with it. I know that much as pride and shame involved. But on the other hand, I've read way too many philosophy books to... Uh, there's no way I can exist in the atheist frame anymore. I mean, I could maybe be an agnostic, but in the sense that, well, God definitely exists. Like, that's that's for sure. That There's, there's no way I could not think that they that theism isn't true. I don't know how to get around the idea of God because each time I, I seriously read some philosophy books or think about anything like consciousness or or matter or just the idea that things exist, I, I can't get around the idea that, well, this got to... You know, the, the something has to have started that. You know, so even if the if even if all there was at the beginning was some sort of quantum vacuum, like okay, well, you're gonna run into some sort of regress. So at some point, there was something that started that. I don't mind calling that God. The question then is, what does that God want? Well, and then I can say, oh, yeah, you know, I kind of like the way that Christianity uh, thinks about that, and then. Maybe that's an arbitrary choice. Maybe that's a bit of the genetic fallacy that I've picked that one because it's what I grew up in. But at that point, you know, who cares? That, yeah. Like, yeah. You're, like you're saying, at that point, it becomes just acting it out. Yeah, it was, you know, looking back, it's strange how obvious it should be that the big bang theory doesn't solve anything in terms of universal, I guess you would call it cosmology. Um, you know, it just kicks the can down the road one more step. You know, you have to ask what caused the big bang. Um, and it's just kind of funny how not seriously that question is taken among like, uh, you know, staunch scientific atheist types. Um, well, I mean, yeah. I'm one of the guys behind the Big Bang Theory was a Catholic priest. I mean, <laughs> kind of funny oh, that yeah. one. One of the two guys. Uh, I think Lemaitre and uh, some Russian guy, I think. Mm. But, uh, yeah, it... Look, I mean, I, I used to reason that same way, you know, like I... Uh, 
I'm a volunteer firefighter, and you know, a lot of my firefighter coworkers are very religious, and they'd say, "Well, you know, uh, uh, what cost the universe?" And then I would just, you know, snarkily fire back, "Or what cost God?" And you know, <laughs> nobody slapped me around with any decent philosophy, so I figured I had a good retort. I didn't. I just, you know, I thought I was smart, and uh, if I dread any Aquinas or you know, any, just any decent uh, cause and effect uh, metaphysics, I might have not been so quick to answer. So, because as soon as you ask the question, well, what, you know, the universe was just eternal. Well, then you run into problems with thermodynamics, you run into problems with infinity, with causality. It, It's just, yeah, I, I've given up trying to even, I've, I, you know, I'm not smart enough. It's, no. At that point, it becomes yeah, faith and trust. Right. Yeah, there's, um, there's C.S. Lewis's book, The Great Divorce. Uh-huh. Um, and one of the characters you meet at the beginning who's on the bus he's there in hell uh and like all he wants to do is have like theological discussions and arguments and i might be misremembering and injecting uh something but it seems like somebody i think one of the angels he meets like urges him you know to stop doing that and to just come join them and you know kind of like the put it into practice kind of thing stop talking about it. He says, Oh, no, 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 no. Come on, just sit with me. And let's just talk about it. And I'll play devil's advocate. Um, and, you know, it's interesting that Lewis puts that guy, I, I don't, uh, I worry that the way I'm framing this is sounding like I'm putting certain kinds of people in hell. I don't mean to. No. Um, uh, but you know, that guy is, uh, has not entered into uh, the benefits of those beliefs because he insists on sitting around and talking about them rather than living them out. Yeah, and to a degree, I kind of understand where that person would be coming from because they really want to know what's true. I mean, they're pursuing God in the sense that they're pursuing truth. They want to live in, in truth. And that's admirable. I mean, I've been to a, to a Richard Dawkins lecture and he is obsessed with people must pursue truth. Mm-hmm. And even though he'd call himself an atheist, I'm thinking, you know, you have more religion in you than you think. Of course, I wouldn't tell him that. But uh, it's... it's. I understand that it's, it's nice to say, okay, you know, just embody the religion. Yeah, but it needs to be true. Okay, depends what you mean by true, you know, in, in the Petersonian sense. I can I can kind of see it from both ways. Like you don't want to, you know, follow some religion because it it's nice and fuzzy and comfy. On the other hand, Christianity isn't really nice and fuzzy and comfy. It's pretty radical in what it really asks of you. I mean... Yeah. So, I don't know why, <laughs> why people think, oh, you just became Christian because, you know... It's a crutch. And like, have you seen what it needs, what it what it asks of you, what it wants? Yeah, I mean, you become way more susceptible to being called a hypocrite. That, and I mean, you know, people said, this is a hard teaching. Who can follow it? I mean, 
here's a guy who said, here's this, here's this set of pretty strict laws called the Torah, and I'm going to make it even stricter because it's not strict enough, and you, none of you are going to be able to do this. Yet you have to follow me if you want to gain eternal life. Like, man, you know, it's, it's pretty radical. Yeah, it's a hard teaching. Who can follow it? Mm. I got a couple minutes left, man. We're close to the hour. Okay. Anything else? Um, I think that wraps it up really nicely. Yeah, I love talking to you, man. You've you've had an interesting yeah. life. <laughs> Thanks. Hopefully, it continues that way. All right. Well, I'm gonna wish you a great day because my cat's starting to mew again. She says, yeah, wrap it up, wrap evening. it up. All right. Thanks for talking, Joe. <laughs> Thank you for your time, Nathan. Bye-bye.